Welcome to Keeping Your Together in a Stressed World with Michelle Post and Scott Grossberg. Each week, we explore down and dirty ways to stop awfulizing, catastrophizing, going down the rabbit hole, and moving through all the craziness that is happening right now. We're here to create a community of like-minded people as we give you tips, tricks, and techniques for keeping sane in an unhinged world. And now, here are your hosts, Michelle Post and Scott Grossberg. Hey, everybody. This is Scott Grossberg, one of your co-hosts for the podcast, Keeping Your Shit Together in a Stressed World. And I'm here with my co-host, Michelle Post. Hey, Michelle. Hi, Scott. Thanks, everybody, for joining us today. All right. Now, I got to ask, yes. are you still celebrating your birthday month? Oh, yes. I, my, the helium out of my balloons are not fully done. Although, for those of you that don't know what a silly character I am in real life, I was getting rid of the helium on one of the big balloons that Brian had gotten me for my birthday and called Scott with a voice message in a helium voice and just said I was thinking about him. So if you think that we don't live <laughs> playing and being silly and finding the joy in life in the middle of what can be crazy chaos, we really do do this. <laughs> we really do. do uh, yes. And I, I did get the phone call message and it was, it was, I thought at first you were using yeah. one of those voice filters like they do oh, on TikTok like, oh, and yeah, the like. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then when you said, and then when you said, no, no, I'm just sucking on helium, it was like, <laughs> okay, Michelle is having a good day. I had not done that in a while. So, um, yes. So, am I continuing to celebrate my birthday? Yes. I am one of those weird weirdos who does like to celebrate my birthday. <laughs> Well, you know, I, the reason I'm asking that, and it has nothing to do with today's show, oh, but okay. from, a from a therapeutic standpoint, and I think uh -huh. this is important for all our listeners, how important is celebration? Well, uh, you know, can I get down and dirty and personal, even though this isn't necessarily the topic of our show? Well, you may get down and dirty and personal because this <laughs> is a very explicit show. Go okay. on, bring on the dirt. So in my childhood, so I was raised by a minister. My father was a pastor. I've said that before. My birthday sometimes landed on Easter. We were Christian. He was a Christian uh, pastor. So the amount of times that we were either moving and I was away from all friends and only had my family or my family was too busy prepping or recovering from Easter or actually dealing with Easter on my actual birthday. Childhood birthdays were quite lackluster. Okay. So at some point I kind of had given up celebrating my birthday and after many years of therapy and recovering from dysthymic disorder, which is a low grade depression, um, I really started to feel like I had earned my place in life. Meaning um, I had recovered from a lot of trauma. I had a near death experience in my twenties. I had recovered from dysthymic disorder and post-traumatic stress disorder. And I really felt like I worked hard to be alive. Does that make sense so far? It does. And, and I, I didn't mean to ask a question that no, went I this wanted deep, to but I'm, but I, I got to tell uh -huh. you, um, two things. And so that's why mind. I celebrate. So uh, to me, which is I wonderful being alive and I so want to celebrate it. 
Exactly. You earned being alive. So, you know, two things. First of all, for those listening, trying to figure out why, if you weren't born on February 28th, your birthday keeps shifting around. Um, <laughs> that We've talked about this on the show before, and I won't, I won't get into the whole history of it. But uh-huh. bottom line, Easter is one of the few, probably, if that's, I think of it, the only uh-huh. Uh-huh. primary Christian holiday that does not that stay on states. one particular date mm-hmm. because it's dependent on the Jewish lunar calendar. Yes, it is. And you have to have Passover. The Last yes. Supper was Passover. Yes, it And was. it's kind of difficult to have Easter when before you don't Passover. Have Passover. <laughs> <laughs> because they're so, linked. So, yeah. Yeah. So Passover, Passover changes all the time because it's based mm-hmm. on the lunar, not the solar calendar. Right. Hence, Easter changes. Hence, Michelle sometimes got the Easter bunny and sometimes she didn't. So I understand That's right. that. And, right. you know, because you brought up the, the what did you call it? Low-grade depression? Is that how you describe uh, yeah, it? Yeah, it's like a low level of depression. So it's not right. a major depressive disorder. It's kind of like chronic blues for more than two years. I do think that this is a good time to talk about Naomi Judd. Oh, um, yes. Na- Na- Naomi Judd uh, obviously died. I was yeah. going to say passed away, Michelle. She died. I'm proud um, of and you, the, Scott, and, for using the real words. <laughs> and the, interest, the, the interesting thing is how they announced her death. Yes. And it was that she died from mental they illness. They lost her to mental and, illness. Mm-hmm. And it has been long reported. I don't know the Judd family and my condolences go out to the family, but me too. They have long reported that Naomi Judd has has suffered from, I don't know if that's the right word, suffered from depression. Okay. And so this is mm-hmm. a good time, Michelle, since you brought sure, that up. Sure, I did. And, and since we know that there was some type of mental illness involved mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. the death of Naomi Judd. Just a quick reminder to everybody, you're not here alone. If you're feeling depressed, you can reach out to people. Um, you can certainly give Michelle a call, mm-hmm. uh, things like that. And Michelle, mm-hmm. there are hotlines out there. There are. Yeah. Usually every, every country has their own set of hotlines. Um, the U.S. is actually converting their hotline, their what they call the national lifeline. They're converting it. Um, so in the U.S., we call 911 for an emergency. And they're converting it so that it's processing and collaborating with 911. So I don't know if, if they're changing the dial-up code to like 912 uh, uh, for, for suicide. But anyway, my point is in the meantime, while they're working through all those kinks, for any of you listening, um, since we are talking about suicide, I want you to know, put this in your phone because you never know when someone you love or yourself um, are dealing with suicide. So I'm going to find it for you really fast. The National and Lifeline while, while number. You're, while you're looking for it, Michelle, I just want, I just pulled up, uh, SAMHSA's uh, national helpline and the COVID-19 reports from WHO. And yeah. again, we're talking about, de- I was talking about depression here. Yeah. Um, the, the WHO, World Health Organization, is reporting this as, as of March 2nd, oh. 2022. Uh-huh. An increase in anxiety and depression of 25%. Wow. Boston Universe. Just this year or during the pandemic? uh, I think that this is a pandemic study because they're talking about COVID-19 triggering 
yes. additional anxiety and depression. And then there's Boston University School of Public Health. They have done their own studies uh, through 2021, and wow. they're talking about uh, depression at 32.8% and affecting one in every three Americans. That makes complete sense for me. Yeah. And, you know, wow. some of the others, Boston, Boston University as well, uh, the depression rates in the U.S. have tripled uh, wow. and they're getting and they're getting worse. So this is not this is not you're going no, to find a lot of you're, sense. That, you're going mm -hmm. to find that this is going to impact your life, whether you're experiencing mm -hmm. a depressive episode or somebody mm -hmm. else is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Naomi uh, Judd's husband Mm -hmm. actually released a statement saying, if you live with someone, I'm paraphrasing, I'm not speaking for him. Uh, if you live with someone who uh, experiences depression, get ready for the ride of your life because I you're know, in it for a I long know. time. I know it, it takes a while to restructure that neurochemical imbalance in your brain. And for me, I did cognitive behavioral therapy and a combination of gestalt therapy and some EMDR, eye movement desensitization reprogramming. Right because I had a combo of PTSD, undiagnosed PTSD and, um, and, and dysthymic disorder. So, uh, yeah. And, and now like I do weird now I do weird things like my birthday is April 12th. So if I see the clock turns four twelve, a client taught me a while ago that her dad used to have them celebrate their birthday minute. And I love that practice so much that I teach that to my clients and I do it myself so if we, if I see the clock and it says 4.12 AM, very rare, but 4.12 PM happens, you know, I catch that pretty regularly. I do a one minute, like, you know, little birthday jig, because again, like I earned my ability to love life and to be alive. It didn't, very cool. yeah, it didn't come it, naturally. It's funny that you talk about the clock thing. I've never told anybody <laughs> this story. Uh, my birthday is January 11th, one, 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 one. Uh, and uh, <gasps> through, through some of my studying uh, and, and, you know, reaching out with people and connecting with others. So many of you know who Yuri Geller is, um, yes. the guy that, that is, is known, made, made the hits by bending spoons and silverware and the like. And um, he's, he and I have connected and kind of done things. Uri's one of his things. Uh, things is uh one 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 he mm -hmm. loves that number uh -huh. so he wound up he wound up actually drawing me a picture uh decorated around the numbers one 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 it's pretty cool oh. i've got it hanging i've got it hanging in one of the rooms here um and so every time i see one 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 it's like yeah that's my birthday so ironically, Scott, you're bringing this up. You know, I'm on the East Coast and the time just turned to 111. So, oh, happy birthday, score, minute, bam. Happy birthday. It's your birthday, minute. Happy birthday. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, I'm, I didn't even look at the clock and realize that. I guess that's, well, thank you. Thank yeah, you. What, we'll what, celebrate. What kind of magical timing? Of course, you would bring up magical stuff at a magical well, time. Well, of course, we would talk about magical <laughs> it, will tie, it, it will tie in with today's topic yes. of magical thinking, among other things. And today's Absolutely. topic is, and I didn't know if there was anything else, Michelle, you wanted to chat about before we. No, I on. think that's good. I think we should hop into our topic today. Oh, did did oh. you get the numbers? 
the numbers. You were checking the suicide numbers? Oh, yes, thank you. Sorry. The um, national U.S. Uh, 24-hour suicide, it's called the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, is 800-273-8256. And you can also, if you look it up, you can also chat with them. So if you tend to be more of a texter than a phone person, you can go online and you can text instead of um, text or chat. You don't have to only call. Wonderful. So, so mm -hmm. today, today's topic is one that I suggested because it's a world that I've I've lived in for so long. Yes. Uh, particularly in particularly in the world of trial lawyers, and it's all about memory and confabulation and false memories and just making shit up. And <laughs> and I learned long ago that eyewitnesses are not really very good at what they do right. at all. And if right. and, these, and particularly professional eyewitnesses, oh. uh, you know, first responders, police, fire, oh. um, the military, they are horrible. Really? That I didn't horrible know. Eyewitnesses. I thought they were supposed to be better. Well, you that and there's the there's the fallacy uh, of memory in and of itself. And I will just yeah. tell you, I, I will tell you some quick little anecdotal stories okay. uh, from my trial attorney days. Um, I would represent police officers in use of force situations when they got oh. sued for civil rights violations oh. and the like. Oh. And so I was dealing with first responders, trained professionals, yes. supposed experts at, at noticing facts and writing them down, yes. who were under very stressful, dynamic, ever-changing, life and death decision situations. Yes. And I can tell you to a person, none of them could recall the facts correctly. Because oh. when you're under stress, mm -hmm. time slows down and you get tunnel vision. And we're going to talk okay. about a lot of these things today because, you know, we're cool. talking, I'm giving you some extreme examples, but mm -hmm. every one of us does this. We are horrible when it comes mm. to our memories. Well, I'm glad you're you're going to dive into this because number one, that's the first time I learned about that, that professional eyewitnesses are bad. Okay. But, but I will tell you, if you're in a relationship with somebody, a family, a business relationship, a, a personal relationship, you also are, I also, we are terrible at giving a, an accurate historical account of an argument, a difficulty, a challenge, you know, something someone said, yeah. because we filter it through these brains that that like to make us look good and other people bad, make us the hero, make other people look like the villain. Well, so this and is here's, a, here's a here's a good test, by the way. Um, I used to do it a different way, but I'm doing it this way now. So Michelle, you you didn't know this was coming. Uh -oh. um, Michelle, do you remember where you were when you got your first COVID vaccination? Yes. Where were you? At uh, Baptist Hospital in Jacksonville, Florida. You sure, are you positive? You sure it couldn't have Pretty been somewhere sure. else? I'm wait, like wait, 99% sure. This is the first vaccine and it was like, like potentially life-saving. So I know exactly the hospital and the location, but I am terrible with names. Okay. But, I'm um, not asking I, you the names. Do you remember where you were? Absolutely. Absolutely. I can't convince you otherwise. No, not with that. Cool. What were you wearing? That I could not tell you. Probably 
comfortable clothes. <laughs> and, it's, now, and there, what Michelle just did is the reason we have bad recollections. So there, there's a concept called confabulation. Confabulation, okay. and I learned this through, again, having to cross-examine witnesses because people would come in and, and adamantly claim this is the fact, okay. adamantly claim this is what happened, adamantly okay. claim, and right, and we have confirmation bias, we're going to fight like hell yes. to make sure the story meets with our own story. Okay, that's and what confirmation so, bias is defined as, fight well, no, to confirm. Confirmation, confirmation okay. bias is where you look out into the external world and you only see things or notice things or recall things that confirm the story you've told yourself. Ah. Hence, the bias you bring to an event, you only see those things. Um, now, what we've just experienced, by the way, is Michelle knowing where she was when she had her first vaccine, Mm -hmm. but not being able to tell you what she was wearing. And then she said, probably comfy clothes. Uh huh. Now, I'm not going to take this further because I don't want to turn this into an interrogation. Here's what fun. happens. No. Here's what, here's what happens with most witnesses. Okay. You know fact A and you okay. know fact D. Okay. And because we are meaning-making machines as yeah. humans, we cannot stand there to be a vacuum between A and D. So we make up a story and connect A to B, B to C, and then C to D. We know two facts, we make up two facts, and suddenly that becomes the story. And oh. it's absolutely wrong. And I'm gonna again give you an anecdotal story okay. of how badly your memory can be tricked. Okay. And then we're gonna make, or we're gonna, make this real world for you but i want to give you an okay. extreme i had I a police it. office i have a police officer who was chasing an armed robber very serious right Our guy yeah. walks into a, a store pulls out a gun steals the money holds the place up runs away cops are chasing him my cop finds this guy hiding under the car with his gun and the bag of money the guy reaches for his gun my cop fires oh that's all you need to know that we know to be true Okay. We know robbery. We know the suspect had a gun. We know cop had a gun. We know suspect reached for a gun. We know cop fired his gun. Okay. That's what we know. And we know that after, for sure. Yes, we know that for sure. Okay. After the, after, and there's a, there's, I won't go into all the details because I bring in forensic folks who examine all this and we can tell mm -hmm. by, by wounds, et cetera, where everything was. We can reconstruct what happened the situation the crime scene okay or my, the my, situation my mm -hmm. cop swore to me post shooting mm -hmm. that he saw the man under the car fired his gun saw the muzzle blast saw the bullet enter the man's the the, the side of the guy's head because he had turned oh. his head to fire oh. and saw the and saw the bullet come out oh my okay. cop swore to this. This is what happened. I was there. He reached for his gun. I fired my gun. I saw the muzzle blast because I was pointing it. I could see where the bullet went, et cetera. Wow. Never happened. Okay. What happened? I'm just going to tell you what happened. Yeah. What happened was my cop fired. And because uh -huh. the man had reached, the suspect had reached for the gun, the bullet actually hit his freaking finger. Oh. Because his his hand had reached over his head. 
Oh. He was, remember the suspects on the ground under a car. The yeah. suspect had reached over his head. The bullet actually struck the suspect's finger, lost uh -huh. velocity, entered the bag of money, ricocheted back out because it hit coins, and lodged behind the suspect's back ear, behind his head. That was it. It, it was like a, a, a billiard ball. Like a magic bullet. GFK. Okay. Now, I want you to understand this. <laughs> Sorry. The suspect wasn't killed, by the way. And I kept well, going. Okay, good. No, this makes no sense. Yeah. I bring in my we bring in my forensic people. And it wasn't until we actually, until I actually talked to one of the interrogating officers. Yeah. Who were on the scene. And he said, oh, you know, when we were there, the paramedics showed up and said this guy had all kinds of shrapnel in his no nose area. Oh, because it entered from the back of the skull, yeah. No, no, suspect had been shot a week before by another police agency when he robbed a bank. Oh, unfortunately on the totally scene- Totally unrelated. Unfortunately on the scene, my cop had heard them talking about shrapnel in the nose mm -hmm. and had put together this whole story of now seeing the bullet enter and then the exit face. the back of his head and it never happened. Wow. This is how bad confabulation can get. Yeah. And my cop under my cop under under oath would have said this, but for the fact that we went through and discovered it didn't happen. It didn't happen. You can Now, that's you an ex that's an extreme example, but it's something that happens all the time. And right. you know, there there are different wow. ways there are different ways that Elizabeth Loftus, it's L-O-F-T-U-S, she is a wonderful memory researcher and basically is an expert in eyewitness testimony. Um, and, you know, she has done, I'm looking at one of her research projects right here. She conducted a research and she was able to get 25% of her participants to believe a false memory that they were once lost in a shopping mall as a child. It never happened. She planted the memory in them. Oh, and it's wow. because of the way the questions were asked. It's, you know, we don't use clean language when we talk to begin with. Uh -huh. We are very, we're very confirmation bias when uh -huh. we talk. We are, and so this, are. this is why I keep saying for a long time, you know, throughout this show, as a matter of fact, please understand you are a, you're a program running machine. You're a computer. Mm -hmm. And if it's garbage in, it's going to be garbage out. And so it starts with first and foremost, one of the, the factors of leading to bad memory is you just have an inaccurate perception of what happened. Wow. Understand right now, we are not good at seeing things. Yeah. Let's just accept that uh, as a fact and that there are gaps leading to confabulation that happen. Can I interject and say, like, this is why I love the book you've sent me to um, by, is it Annie Betts? Um, Th Thinking in An Betts, Annie Dukes. Annie Dukes. And how she talks about if you can, like, I, you know how I said, like, 99% certain. Um, I learned that from her book that certainty is, you know, false and difficult, especially when you're talking about relationships. And if you can say I'm 80% certain or I'm 70% certain, you come across more credible than if you say I'm 100% certain. And can I tell you a little side funny note? Okay. I'll try not to direct to.
semester in Spain with um, a Spanish high school Spanish teacher. Speaks Spanish, teaches Spanish all day long. Excellent. We go, but she's a vegan. We go to a restaurant. On the restaurant menu, it says something like calos, um, which the literal translation means like bunion or calluses. And in the 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 language was English and Spanish. So the menu was English, Spanish. We wanted scallops. And she's like, a hundred percent that scallops. And we're like, we tried to ask the, the guy what it means. And then Brian uses Google Translate and it says tripe, which is intestines. Okay. And we show her. Google says it's tripe. And she goes a thousand percent. It's scallops. Doesn't listen to him. Order comes to the table. It's tripe. None of us. She doesn't eat it because she's a vegan. None of us wanted to eat tripe. It's a wonderful delicacy for a lot of people and also a very homey food. And only one, one person at our table has enjoyed tripe, but had a lot of other food. And so <laughs> that's an example of like that confirmation bias. She was so certain that there's no way. We even said there's this other item on that translates into scallops. Why would they have two dishes, one scallops and another scallops and two different words? And I kid you not, she said, that's the last time that I don't listen to a cis white male because I just assume he's wrong. Yeah. It, but so, <laughs> it, it, you know, it, it's a, again, a perfect example of why sometimes we even have bad times communicating with each other yes. because we're all looking for different things. Now, one of our listeners just wrote the scandal in the 70s or 80s with the supposed satanic rituals, yes. the victims in psychotherapy. Now, I'm going to let you also in on a deep, dark little secret. Um, at part of what I was doing uh, through my career was working with the FBI, the Federal Bureau of Investigation on a Ooh. variety of things. And I had an opportunity to sit down with one of their quote, satanic investigators. They, they don't call themselves that, but the guy investigates crimes particularly when there's a, a supposed satanic overlay to it. Yeah. And he flat out told me, as best I remember, uh, that was a pun, a joke. Uh, <laughs> he, 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 he flat out told me that he had never actually investigated something that turned out to be a satanic crime. That in fact, oh. the bad guys yeah. had learned, at least at the level he was at, they had learned how to cover up and create fear and so a crime would be committed and then they would create this scene and leave, wow. you know, little inverted pentagrams and things like that around to, to completely change the narrative of the crime scene wow. when in fact it never happened. And because we as the public get so fearful, we pick yeah. up on these kinds of things and suddenly that becomes the story. Yeah. For those of you in the U.S., you will remember uh, about the same time period, you will remember a lot of the allegations against some of the childcare facilities. Yes. Yes. And then the criminal trials that came out of it and the lives yeah. that were ruined, it never mm -hmm. happened. And yeah. just go back and look at the stories. They, and so I what know. happened, what happened is that we, we learned out of that to be better as investigators, mm -hmm. particularly with children and mm -hmm. not to implant false memories in them. Mm -hmm. by the very questions that we're asking. And in mm -hmm. fact, one of my law review articles uh, that I wrote while I was in law school dealt with using hypnosis mm -hmm. to help filter out 
some of this bad programming that they had been given. Mm. Um, and it really comes down to, again, just ultimately understand you are bad at perceiving what you perceive. Mm -hmm. Now we're going to, mm -hmm. I'm going to give you some fixes for some of this later on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How many times have you done inferences? Again, part of the confabulation where you just infer facts. Mm -hmm. And, and I will tell you one of my favorite things because it, it ties in not only uh, with what we're talking about in the show, but what I do in my coaching. And that is working with people understanding not only the inferences that they draw, but the power they give to their emotions. Mm -hmm. And it's as simple as asking yourself, when you woke up this morning, how did you feel? Okay. Right? So, you know, it's how did you feel? If you woke up happy, you probably didn't give it much mind. Yep. But yep. if you woke up in a bad mood or you were hurting yep. or you had indigestion or whatever, I yep. can tell you what you did. You <laughs> then try to logically think your way through this and ask yourself what caused this. Yep. Okay. I stayed up late too, 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 uh, too late last I night. I something. had a bad, I ate something. I uh -huh. had this, I did. And we look for a cause and effect that in fact is all inference because you don't know anything. In fact, it may be nothing more than hormones. It may, in fact, be something you ate, but you need to put some meaning to it. And you we can't put a meaning like, to it. Yeah, go ahead. We can't put a meaning to it. Until you, until you understand that you're trying to think through something that may mm. not have actually any thought behind it. Can we just inference everybody like to the positive? Like, can you just like assume, can we do the yes. positive? Can we train people to do the positive assumption about themselves, about others? Just well, now you're in my world, happy. right? That, that I want to influence the happy. <laughs> well, that, that is, that's part of the rewiring that I work uh, on with folks is to get yeah. them to a different default. Yeah. Um, and the, the challenge is with some of the new studies that are out there with neuroscience and neuroplasticity, yes. there are some indication that maybe we as a human race are wired for unhappiness. Yes, because it's a survival skill, right? That uh, right. You know, if you were hyper aroused, you would pay attention to the weird sounds of the bears and, and survive. Now, personally, I would say, you know, so confabulation is kind of like um, filtering in a cognitive behavioral distortion way, emotional reasoning. Well, wait, 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 wait. Confabulation distortion. is not confabulation is not filtering. You're making shit up. Confabulation oh, right. is confirmation bias is, is filtering. Thank you for that correction. Yep. Confirmation bias is filtering where we filter in only the facts that prove our th hypothesis, whether it's right. negative about ourselves or positive about ourselves. And uh, emotional reasoning is, uh, you know, using your emotions to, you know, if I'm angry, somebody must have hurt me. If I'm sad, you know, something bad must be happening or there's something wrong with me. That's not always true. Um, so I'm well, glad so, we're talking so, about this. Yeah. So here's a good way for listeners to also to, to, to just to demonstrate what we're talking about. So for a moment, Michelle, just look around the room and I want you to count all the red things you see. Just don't oh, say, I, don't say okay. it out loud. Just count all the red things that you see. Okay. Got them in your head? Yeah. You got a number that you think is accurate. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Cool. How many black things are there? Oh, dang it. You fooled me again on that one. Well, it's not a fooling. <laughs> Understand, people, there are black facts 
There are blue yeah. facts. There are white facts, facts. And I happen to be looking, you know, visually at Michelle's background. You've got all these things going on. You yeah. only looked for the red. For the red. I only counted the red. And so same way, like if you're do. shopping for a car, right? If you, and you decide yeah. on a certain model, suddenly you see all those cars everywhere and you didn't realize they were there all the time. Yeah. So what happens is your particular operating system kits kicks in. Mm -hmm. And again, it's a survival thing. There's nothing wrong with you. Right. Understand though, that the way that we proceed through life, there is, there are also studies that say, you actually could tell me all the black things, but because our bodies are wired to prevent overwhelm of facts, mm -hmm. you lose your mind if you remembered everything. Mm -hmm. But in fact you do. And so that's where, you know, if you come to someone like me and we do mm -hmm. hypnosis, mm -hmm. we bypass the critical faculty that says, Michelle, you can only remember red things. You don't know anything else. And we go into it again, yeah. pres presuming there's some clean language in it and I'm not creating a false memory. Right. Um, you know, you actually do remember more than you're able to access, retrieve, and then talk mm -hmm. about. Okay. The other, the other big thing that creates a false memory or a bad memory or an inaccurate memory is just flat out misinformation. Yes. And let's get real. The world is built around that. Social mm -hmm. media is built around that. Mm -hmm. Advertising mm -hmm. is built around that. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we can talk about conversational hypnosis. And I use that not in a therapeutic way. I, I mean, Milton Erickson was known for being able to put people into trance and go mm -hmm. through induction by just talking to them. Mm -hmm, it was mm -hmm. no none of the stuff you see on TV or hear about. It's just, he talked to them. It was conversational. Mm -hmm, I mm -hmm. I studied that and was able to use those techniques, hence neurolinguistic programming, mm -hmm, when mm -hmm. talking to witnesses and judges and juries. And I wanted to emphasize the confirmation bias in my favor, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's like just pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. What they told you on the other side isn't true, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. You're getting that every day. And mm -hmm. unfortunately, you're also getting it inadvertently. I'm going to presume it's not malicious from your mm -hmm. own family members and your friends. Mm -hmm. And when you mm -hmm. hear something from a friend, you are presuming it's true or wanting it to be true. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's not. And so I, that takes me back. Terry Goodkin is one of my favorite authors. He wrote a book uh, called Wizards First Rule. Uh, and he's got a, a series of books. And one of the one of his rules is very simply, people will believe a lie. Either because either because they want it to be true or they're yes. afraid that it's true. Okay. Think about that. People yes. will believe a lie so easily. How many times, and by the way, you know, one of the best ways to avoid yeah. misinformation is stop gossiping. Yeah. yeah. And then, and then finally, it's something, it's a concept that most people have not heard about. Um, it's literally called fuzzy, fuzzy, F-U-Z-Z-Y, fuzzy tracing. Okay. And fuzzy tracing is literally where I kind of know what happened. I kind of know it's, it's just fuzzy, right? Yeah. And so that I appear more solid yeah. and trustworthy, I'm going to say it to be true. So that then leads us to one of my favorite topics of all time. May I? Yes. And many of you first heard about this with Steve Jobs. It is not a Steve Jobs thing. He adopted it, frankly. 
Um, it comes actually from Star Trek, one of my, my, my favorite shows, a personal reality distortion field. Uh-huh. It was applied to Steve Jobs at Apple in the 80s, and people claim that Steve Jobs had his own reality distortion field. To put uh -huh. it another way, he could lie about things, make things up, and then they frickin' happened. He uh -huh. would trick people into believing his own reality, even when their facts said, you can't do this, this isn't possible, blah, blah, blah. And so it be he became famous or infamous in some cases uh, for the reality distortion field. Now that said, this kind of leads then Michelle to something you mentioned and that's magical thinking. By yeah. the way, I wanna, I wanna do a quick little debrief here. Magical thinking is not the same thing as my website thinking magically. That's right. Magical thinking is when we just make stuff up because it's fun to do, it's, it's uh, opportunistic to do, et cetera, and it's not real, mm. okay? It's magical thinking, mm. lucky rabbit's foots, mm -hmm. feet, for example. Mm -hmm. um, you know, any, if you read Annie Duke's book, any, most gamblers have these routines and rituals mm. that they go Baseball through. Baseball players too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So here's the interesting thing. <laughs> Look at the people in your life who are charismatic. Now, okay. there's no denying that Steve Jobs was charis charismatic. Whether you like him or not, he was charismatic. And that's what allowed him to wield his personal reality distortion field so well. And he became the center of control of the story, he took control of his own narrative, yeah. and he was able to suggest new facts to people. I have heard this called, by the way, Claire, you guys have heard of Claire audience and clairvoyance, et cetera. It's not talked about often, but there are people out there who have Claire persuasion. Uh. They just say, they say things and it becomes what's gonna happen. They can, they can do that. And so one of the biggest things that I urge all of you to do is number one, catch yourself when you're doing it. Yeah. And number two, just be aware that there are a lot that not lots, there are some people who are very good at clear persuasion, yeah. who are very good with their charisma mm -hmm. and they say it and you take mm -hmm. it as gospel. We definitely have to be careful of, uh, for me, when people describe someone as charismatic or charming, um, it's a red flag for narcissistic personality disorder. So we really have to be careful about the dark side of charisma. This is just a side note. I know we're not talking mm -hmm. about this. I just have to mention it because I work with so many people recovering from relationships with those with uh, narcissism and narcissistic yeah, and, personality disorder. And it's, it's and really discombobulating. And because I work with so many, this afternoon when we get done with this show, I'm off to an event where I'm I'm actually training some of California's elected officials, their leaders, oh, okay. um, and they're meeting at this this location, and I'm being brought in to talk to them about messaging and social media, exactly mm -hmm. all the things we're talking about here, and I have to be very aware of what you're saying, Michelle, because yeah. while some of them have narcissistic personality disorder. Mm -hmm. I am also aware that for leaders, mm -hmm. I mean, you take a look at some of the presidents. We need some charm. 
Well, they have to, also some narcissism. They, they have narcissistic personalities. Yeah. It may not be a disorder. And that then yeah, of course, it might be just traits. Yeah, that's well, I, so my rule of thumb is 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 somebody using their powers for good or evil, right? Is somebody trying to use their charm or their charisma to manipulate you out of money, sex, power, time, right? Instead of doing things for themselves, right? So are they using it for good or for evil? So I didn't know Steve Jobs. I'm sure, you know, there's a love-hate relationship for some people out there you know, was when we use our charm, are we using it to move like the global kind of good forward or the relationship forward or health forward or mental health forward? Or are we using it to manipulate control and swindle? Because the, the people I'm helping recover have been swindled out of money, out of sure. time, out of sex, out of their own personal dignity. It's a real negative. And, and so the reason yeah. that this show is so important to me is mm -hmm. because I want listeners to be aware your poor memory, which you yeah. can do something about. And I'll give you some, some thoughts oh, here in a minute. Okay. Um, your poor memory can be taken advantage of and used against be, you, right? Even by you, even your, by your us, own, your own brain can take over and, um, and, and basically subvert what you're doing. So yeah. let's let's talk about some ideas here, um, and I'll start with Elizabeth Loftus, who I told you okay. I just absolutely love. Okay. And she she is very emphatic when she talks about this. Is what you were saying, Michelle? When someone talks to you with confidence, when someone talks to you with a lot of emotion and supposed detail, the best thing that you can do to help against a false memory is to get outside confirmation and independent evidence of the facts makes sense. this is by the way true of you and mm -hmm. one of the best things that i've ever heard and i'm going to adapt now for this show is go through your calendar okay and i would love for each of you listening to for the last year just write down the emotions you experienced the major trauma points that you experienced plot them on a calendar and you will start to see where things don't sync up literally sequentially the way you in your head have told yourself that they happened here's the other big thing we tend to do things in patterns yeah. and once you start writing down how you felt right so you even if you're doing a cognitive a cbt uh journal even those tend to repeat themselves right depressive the depressive episodes tend to repeat themselves so many days out mm -hmm. you can actually start predicting when the suboptimal situations are going to arise yeah and and plan against it mm -hmm. number two uh, a, a good way to fight against false memories or confabulation in your own head is ask a lot of clarifying questions not only of of others but i still love uh you know byron katie's concept in the work and it starts mm -hmm. with the question is this true and then it moves yeah. to the question can i absolutely know this is true mm -hmm. and i'm i'm sorry folks to tell you but very rarely are you going to be able to answer the question can i absolutely know it's true are you going to very rarely you're going to be able to answer that yes you will but not as often as you think mm -hmm. that it might so yeah. so 
again, if you're listening to someone else, let them tell their story. The more, by the way, if you, if someone's telling their story and you just, it's like, something's not right here. Mm-hmm. I learned this being, you know, doing depositions. I just let them tell their story. Yeah. So yeah. I start interrupting and asking clarifying questions. Yep. It's going to make the story more embedded and it's going to actually spiral. Yeah. So let someone tell their story and then just ask some clarifying questions on the back end. The other thing is uh, a good little bit of homework for everybody is to start asking yourself what myths, M-Y-T-H-S, what myths have you been believing in? What beliefs have you adopted that you actually don't know are true or not, but they have formed the foundation of your world making? Mm. Because when you have these, these unsubstantiated, uncorroborated myths that you're buying into, you can still buy into them. I'm not taking any of that away, but understand what they're built on. And it's as simple Mm. as, by the way, what's your name? We talked about that before that, right? You you know what your name is because you were given a name. You didn't choose it. Right. We know it's to be true. And then you've adopted and adapted Uh, to it. Truth. Yeah. But if someone else gave you the name, understand that when you construct a memory, that's when the error occurs. Okay. Okay. You're not Mm -hmm. having the error when you're looking at something or experiencing the event. It's when you recall it. And and by the way, this is an interesting segue. We don't have time today. You've heard Michelle and I talk about Ho'oponopono many times, right? Ho'oponopono is built around the construct or concept or foundation of that anything that you're stressing from, you're suffering from, you're having trauma from Mm -hmm. is a memory of something playing out. Mm -hmm. And we want to clear that out. So it it comes down to just understand constructing a memory, going back in your head, even if it's, when did I get my first vaccine? Mm -hmm. You're going to start, that's where the the errors will happen when you construct the memory. Mm. Also, and and this is where I'm going to actually turn this over to you. I know we're running out of time here, Mm. but have you ever actually, Michelle, run across a situation in therapy where someone just by the sake of therapy Mm -hmm. and or someone else suggesting things Mm -hmm. suddenly has this repressed memory come out. And yes, in fact, it didn't happen. I haven't had a repressed memory come out that didn't happen, but we always look at old memories that are suddenly popping up with a lot of skepticism. So there's, like you said, we listen to the story and we ask clarifying questions and clarifying questions and clarifying questions, um, rather than, you know, uh, especially when it comes to childhood stuff, right? So, but I, I have not worked with a false memory for and, that And reason. again, this is, this is why I thought the show would be so interesting because I constantly deal mm-hmm. with false memories. I, I constantly, constantly deal... deal with false memories between couples and families. Yeah. 
this happened and you did this to me. No, I didn't. I didn't do that. I wasn't even there. I swear to you the number of times, like if I only worked with individuals, I would believe that my individual clients are perfect and everybody else in the world is a complete asshole and at fault (laughs) and persecuting them. But because I realize that if I have that, every time I work with somebody and I bring a family member in, that person is never as bad as they've portrayed them to be. That's an example of confabulating memory that in our mind, we feel bad. We're in a relationship. It's got to be the other person's fault, right? Can't be my fault. Um, So (laughs) sometimes I'm like, were you two people at the same event at the same time? There's absolutely no way you could have been at the same event in the same time. Your, your memory of the situation is complete. And when I work with other people's therapists, right? So I work with the couple and then there's the individual therapist. I see that same bias coming up over their partner is a jerk. Their partner is the problem. Their partner is the judge. Like you don't see this person in therapy. I do. This is a two-way street. This, this problem is created by the couple, not by any one individual. So you just the exception. <laughs> you just hit on a really probably great way to end today's show. Okay. And and that is we've talked about this in our shows before, particularly when we talked about uh, fallacies and cognitive dis, uh, distortions. Uh-huh. Right. We've talked we've talked yes. a great deal about that. Uh-huh. And one of the biggest ways that your memory will be affected is when judgment starts kicking in. Uh, and when you catch so. yourself putting value judgments yes. into an event recollection, yes. understand your confirmation bias is not only kicking in, but you're going to make shit up. Okay. Um, and so what we want to do, I'm asking all of you, is just catch yourself. Understand your recollections by the mere fact that you're a human are likely faulty. Uh, we, you know, it's, it, it's, I don't want to get as esoteric as, what is reality and what isn't? I don't want to get that. It's that we know when things happened, you have a sense of it, unless you have some, some challenges that need to be addressed with a professional, but we know when things happened. Mm-hmm. Be honest with yourself, at least, that your recollection of it is fuzzy at best, unless it's a major event, right? You can't tell yeah. me how many stop signs you stopped at today. You nope. can't tell me what you wore when you got your your vaccine. You can't tell me what you ate two weeks ago on a Thursday. Right. And so these are the kinds of things I just start being aware. I've got some fuzziness going on and Mm. don't argue your way through it and start making facts up because you're going to live with that. What you tell yourself, your your brain starts taking as true. It can't tell Mm -hmm. the difference. Mm -hmm. Can we do a show about the difference between confabulation or, you know, trying to help people um, figure out the truth of things and gaslighting? Because I also want people to have a sense of when, you know, when your memory is fuzzy at best and when somebody is manipulating you using gaslighting to change the facts of a situation. Like, what do you think about that as a follow-up? Um, we, cert- we certainly could. I'm, you know, I've been the subject of attempted gaslighting. Uh, I've got a real, we've talked about this before too. I think I've got a really finely tuned gaslight filter. Filter? Um, that, doesn't, okay. that, doesn't, that doesn't mean that I'm not subject to it. And I've used it. I've, okay. I'll readily admit, I would, okay. I've said this, like, because I, I 
understand neurolinguistic programming. I understand conversational hypnosis. I understand persuasion. I teach this to, yeah. uh, you know, leaders and uh, at elected officials. And my goal is like Google, do no harm, right? Yeah. Use, it, use only your use power it for, for good. good, not for evil. Use your, use your power <laughs> for good. I can't stop them from doing it. So sure, we can do I a whole it. show about that, but it's a very involved topic. Uh, okay, good. Filter out the good from evil. Yes. Okay. That's, right. that's my final comment is stay tuned, everyone, for a future episode on gaslighting, like how to actually trust your fuzzy memory and not allow someone to gaslight you for evil. <laughs> Next okay. week, who do we have, Michelle? <gasps> my good friend and colleague, Joe Primo, who is um, going to talk about taking radical well, this isn't his word, but radical sabbatical, taking a radical break, okay? And much needed in terms of redefining yourself and um, refilling your fuel tank and that kind of thing. I absolutely love Joe. He's been a longtime friend of mine, a fan of your book, Scott, The Most Magical Secret, which I highly Thank recommend you. to our listeners. If you haven't read it or worked through it, do it today. <laughs> oh, thank so, you. And, and I did, I, I did get a, a very nice email from Joe about the book. So, and I know the two of you worked through it together. So yes, we did. We did your six week companion thing with another friend of ours who I hope eventually to have on um, is Alicia Alexander, who's a wonderful LCSW out of Virginia. So Joe is coming to us out of North Carolina, formerly Philly. Uh, formerly New Jersey, Princeton. He's a Princeton trained um, priest, but doesn't practice in that way <laughs> at all. So I think you'll find him really interesting. I hope people Wonderful. tune in. Mm -hmm. All right, folks, you can help us by liking, subscribing, commenting on your favorite podcast platform. Please share this with others. Uh, our, we're, we are almost, I didn't tell you this before, Michelle, we are almost at 5,000 plays <gasps> for the podcast. So Thank you guys all for the support for doing this. And with that, peace, be well. Bye-bye. Well, Bye-bye. You've reached the end of another episode of Keeping Your Together in a Stressed World with Michelle Post and Scott Grossberg. If you like our show, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate our broadcast, and leave a review. The podcast is for general information only and not intended to be legal or mental health advice, nor the formation of a lawyer-client, nor therapist-patient relationship. Stay tuned for our next episode, and thank you for listening.